This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast, coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and I'm joined here today with my co-host, Pastor Brandon Starnes, and we both want to welcome you here today. Before we get into our Bible study here for the day, I just want to remind you that we're on many different podcast platforms. You can find us on Spotify, you can find us on Apple Podcast, on Amazon, on Google Podcast, on TuneIn, and many others. And also just want to encourage you guys to like us, share, subscribe, tell your friends, family about it, and uh, check us out as we'll be having a Rejoicing in the Word Facebook page coming soon. So you want to be looking for that coming up here soon in the future. Another thing you can check out is the SVBC blog, and I'll give you the direct link for that. The URL is svbcpa.com dot org forward slash rw blog once again that's s v b c p a dot org forward slash rw blog and we just want to encourage you to check all those things out all those resources out as we believe and trust and hope that they'll be an encouragement to you as they have been to us Uh, we're going to be transitioning here now into once again going to the life of the apostle paul And we're sure that if Paul were alive today and had a smartphone, he would be listening to our podcast. (laughs) So we want to encourage you once again. Well, there's a way to open up a broadcast rejoicing in the word (laughs) there, I'll tell you. But we have been looking at his life, uh, how he manifests in his life some Christ-like joy. In Romans chapter 1, he makes many uh, personal references, though under inspiration, and he reflects on the church at Rome. And so we've spent some time, as you know, uh, the last couple of weeks we talked about uh, just the thankful spirit that was with him. Uh, He praised the Lord. He thanked um, God uh, for their faithfulness, for their faith, for their dedication, no doubt their zeal. And then we spent some time looking at a second attribute, which was one of just having a genuine heartfelt service. He speaks of the fact that he served God from his spirit. That's genuineness. That's, That's that inner man, if you will, in one sense. And today, of course, we want to look at another attribute of this rejoicing person, and that really is his submissiveness. And our text, of course, is coming in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 10. Let me read that for us here. Romans 1.10 says, Making request, if by any means now, at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established." You know, when you pause just for a moment, before we really jump into the crux of our our time this uh, this day, you you can pause and you think about something that we really haven't spent much time talking about, and that is in verse number 9, he's talking about making mention always in my prayers. In verse number 10, he speaks again of making requests. So let's just pause a moment and look at prayer uh, and how that relates. Obviously, the Apostle Paul is one that is ceaseless. In his prayer, he is always praying for them. He's he's making mention. It's a little bit like a recital. There's a list that's commonly or often coming off of his heart and mind, and it should be a great lesson for us. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see Paul's prayer list. It really would. It certainly would. I think it would be full of of uh, asterisks or notations, uh, but perhaps also I think it'd be well worn, uh, full of opportunities by which. He casted his and the cares of others on the Lord God and and sought times of safety or shelter in need of provision. 
And, of course, if we really wanted a, 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 a direct look, not necessarily as prayerless, but at his personal prayer, you could look at Colossians chapter 1, and there's some, we should spend some time there once, but there is some wonderful uh, preserved prayer of the Apostle Paul. He was a man of great prayer. Now, you think about this and give me your feedback on it. Do you think that we could say a joyful person is a prayerful person? And then also, would it also be true that a prayerful person is a joyful person? Well, I do. I wonder if they're not just synonymous. I, it would be a very difficult thing, wouldn't it, uh, to be ceaseless in your prayers, ergo a prayerful person, without also having great joy. If our joy is happenstance, what happens to us today or what might happen to us tomorrow, if our joy is possessions, if that's the uh, derivative by which our joy comes, then there would be little reason to pray. There would be more reason to do something else. Uh, Yet at the same time, when joy is our focus of life, that is directly related to our communication and as well as our relationship with God. So I think that they perhaps are really the same or at least very similar. I would I would think that a prayerful person would, by faith, also have great ability to rejoice and rejoicing in the Almighty God. Certainly, they're a thoughtful Christian. Right. A contemplative, meditative type Christian. Because, you know, one thing that interrupts our prayer life that also interrupts our ability to rejoice in God is being just completely self-absorbed. And that really is, and we can only speak from this contemporary time that we live in, but but really at the sense of it, there's a lot of Christians today that are just completely enshrouded in self. They have failed to realize uh, the, the scriptural directive there in Romans when he said, don't mind high things. Don't think of yourself too highly as you ought not to do. And to focus on self is really, that's just a thief. <laughs> that's going to rob us of the opportunity to pray. Do you remember the, you know, I don't know, maybe you don't know, but do you remember the old chorus, J-O-I, J-O-I, this is what it means? Never heard of it. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. There's a lot of truth in that Sunday school hymn because when I'm self-absorbed and myself, yourself, we become the center of our world, we have robbed ourselves of the opportunity to have joy and subsequently the opportunity to have the, uh, the desire to pray and consider others. And praying for others is part of the will of God for every believer. And you know another thing is whenever we're so focused on ourselves, all of a sudden our problems, our difficulties become the center of attention. Instead of taking those problems, circumstances, difficulties before the Almighty God to handle those things. You know, if I'm considering other people, uh, and I, I mentioned this a moment ago, being being part of that direct will of God for our life. He says in First Timothy chapter 2, first of all, praying for men. If I'm considering this, even if things are difficult, at the top of my list, man, I'm going to be faithful in my intercessory prayer. I'm going to be faithful in my supplication, my prayers for all individuals. Now, that's going to help the direction of my life. Interesting in that passage in First Timothy he said, yeah, it might have a life of quiet and peacefulness. And those are wonderful things to consider. Too often, if our prayer life is diminishing, it can be and should be a sign that our joy is waning. Right. I think another thing, too, is if our joy is waning, 
we need to be checking some things out and making sure that our our prayer life and other areas of our walk with the Lord are focused on Him. Are where they ought to be. But what was his prayer exactly? When you read those passages just a moment ago, what directly was his prayer? Well, he was praying to make a journey. He was praying to impart, his desire was to impart a spiritual gift and then also to establish them. Yes, and he was hoping to come to them. Now, we'll get some opportunity perhaps down the road to look at this imparting a spiritual gift. I, I don't think he's talking about divine gifts like the gifts of the Spirit like in Romans chapter 12. I think rather to look at that as he's seeking to edify them, uh, to give them the truths of the Word of God. But all of this comes by way of him venturing or journeying to them. They're, they're, they're together. I know that we live in the post-COVID era, and uh, we have Zoom and we have Meets and WhatsApps and Skype, and is that still a thing? We have all of this stuff. We have just far expanded many years now down the road. But Paul couldn't do that. He had to literally, I mean, he either sent a letter by a runner or he had to journey himself. Yeah, if they're going to hear from his mouth, if they're going to see the visage of his face, they're going to witness those things. It's going to have to be by virtue of him coming to them. And that really required a number of significant things to fall in place that we'll get to in just a moment. But ultimately, this speaks of his desire to come unto them. It speaks of a level of submissiveness. It is not his desire. It is the desire that God has from him. And when you revert back to verse number 10 and you're talking about where he says making requests, to whom was he making these requests? He's praying to God. Yes, he's not asking the ship captain to get him there. Right. He's not asking the chariot driver to get him there. He is praying to the God of heaven. It was his desire to be in the in the direction of specificity to the ministry whereby God had called him to. Well, that's where we find Paul all throughout Scripture. He's always he's praying and saying, if it's the Lord's will, I'll see you. If it's the Lord's will for you to come unto me, I look forward to seeing you. Even in verse number one, he referenced himself as a servant of God or servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Uh, That word separated has the idea of boundary, left or right. I mean, it's going no further than where God wants him to go. And, you know, God may not have called us. He has not called us to be apostles. He has not called everyone to be a pastor, a missionary, evangelist, etc. But the singular fact is, I think, in application, we should be boundaried in the same way. Our focus on life ought to be desires of God. Your life is never too short, or I should say never too long, that you can accomplish all of your desires and all the desires that God would have you to accomplish. You know, another thing there is you'll never know the peace and joy that God desires for you if you've not submitted to the will of God. And that's that's thematic. What is it? Psalm 37 he speaks of fretting not thyself because of the evildoer. He talks about trusting in the Lord, delighting yourself unto the Lord, committing your way unto the Lord. He talks about resting in the Lord. And so many other things, even later on in the passage, he talks about the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You know, so only when our desires become his desires are we going to have rest and joy. There's a lot of things beyond. Paul is a planned man. He's a traveling man in one sense. But if this is going to happen, if he's going to maintain his joy, if he's going to fulfill the will of God for his life, he's going to have to have the same desires in his life 
that God has, and that's rubber meet the road submission. Uh, yes, yeah. it's 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 a dead fast focus or a steadfast focus, I should say, on what does God want from me, and that results in a choice that needs to be made in in our lives daily, every day, and maybe even more often than just every day. Well, what does Paul say? I die daily. Every day, yes, I do. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave Himself for me. So. You know, you, you want to see a joyful person, and now we're breaking down these attributes and looking at the life of the Apostle Paul, and we're saying, hey, he had a focus on being submissive. But beyond that, the, he also just had a, a part about him that he was willing to wait and not be flustered when his expectations were not met. Yeah, I think of another thing, too, on the same point. It, it didn't bother him that he was going to have to submit. He wasn't fearful of where God would lead him. And so as God directs him and, and leads him, he's he's willing to go. Well, he's a traveling man. And, you know, as one might would relate, not all of his trips were uneventful. Oh, sure. We'll hop in a car, you go down the road, and, and you most times it's so safe to travel and such that it's just uneventful. You don't really think much about it. But that was not true of many of his trips. Well, sometimes they were fraught with many difficulties. And it took months for him to travel sometimes. It wasn't just a snap of the finger. His request does not come immediately. It took some time. And that leads us to the thought that waiting and patience is an important part of the will of God uh, for each of his children. You know, we're commanded in James to let patience have its perfect work, that you might be complete, entire, wanting nothing. Uh, and Patience, of course, does work perfectly in our life. Patience is almost, it's a tool that God uses to really to shape us, to sculpt us. I think of carving something and you're, you're taking a tool and you're adjusting the shape of it. You're causing there to be some beauty in that, in that piece of wood or whatever you're carving. And really God uses a lot of things in our lives, but patience is just one of those things that he uses to shape us. Yes, pottering, uh, potter and clay you know, mentality there. Uh, sometimes we as Christians waste the spiritual opportunities in our life because we simply won't wait on God. And this brings, at the very least, trouble to our heart and mind, and it causes the peace of God that should compass us about and keep us and comfort us. It, it causes our reflection to be on something else, and it brings in its presence anxiety and worry, etc. You know, another thing we find as Paul is journeying is he's requesting of the Lord to travel. And uh, he really has friendship, not just with the people there that he wants to go see, but really a friendship with the Lord, which shows through in that submissiveness. It's a beautiful picture, is it not? Um, over in First Corinthians chapter 16, he's talking about, I'll winter here, I'll tarry here, I'll come to you. And then he uses this phrase, if the Lord permit. Too easily, too often, and too easily, we're focused on what we want, when we want it, who we're going to be, what we're going to become, what we're going to do. But a joyful spirit can just trust. They've committed their ways to God. They're going to rest in him. He's our advocate. He is our friend. He is with us until the end of the world, as the scripture says. Why do we sometimes let anxiety occur? I think sometimes because we put an expectation that isn't terribly godly on our life and never truly consider his perfect will in our life. Well, uh, sometimes we just we jump ahead of the Lord. Yes, we do. We're not waiting on his leading, and therefore uh, we begin to con contradict scriptures. And, of course, in keeping to obedience of scripture, 
and prioritizing clear teaching of Scripture is what produces ultimately in us this matter of submission to God and His leading. I think the hymnist said it best in the poem, Him, He Leadeth Me. He writes, He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words of heavenly comfort fraught, whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Sometimes mid seem of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's bowers bloom, by waters calm or troubled sea, still tis his hand that leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, in death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. And then the refrain, He leadeth, leadeth me. me, he leadeth me. By his own hand, he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand, he leadeth me. God's leading always demands our submissiveness to him. This is why we must walk by faith and not by sight. And when we're submissive and follow him by faith, it produces a joy and rejoicing in our heart. And that takes us for our verse for the day here. Psalm 19 verse 8 says this, tying really well into our lesson here. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Whenever we have a heart, a life that is submissive to the statutes of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord are then able to cause rejoicing in our heart. So until next time, we want to challenge you to continue rejoicing in the word. And we both here today want to thank you for listening.